Welcome, welcome. Natchcast 59. That is a stroll down memory lane. Yeah, that song was probably recorded nine years ago, eight years ago. Oh, man. But the title of the song, April 18. Hey. It's not April 18th today, but it's upon us Monday, I think. You might be listening to this on April 18th. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many different cultures and religions around the world celebrate April 18th. Okay. I can't tell you because I don't know. That was the premiere of the... Uh, Our friend Andy Neeb, though? Patented Tyson Falsetto. Do you remember Andy Neeb? He um, he read us some Rilke. Resident Rilke expert. Rilke? Yep. His daughter's birthday, his eldest daughter's birthday is on April 18th. You're looking sharp, buddy. Look at that haircut. I got a haircut. I know you did. You were there. I watched it happen. Yep. For the first time, we... Uh, I don't know, you joined me on a barbering adventure, maybe? Oh. How would you describe that? I, my I, wife cut I my hair and Mark watched. Bake me into your daily chore life. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a very full day. <laughs> we were actually interviewed on a podcast in the morning. Oh, yeah, we were. That was fun. It was fun. More details on that as they emerge. Uh, well, one quick detail. It was a th- podcast about leaders yep. in specific industries. So you can just guess what industry we were leading. That's in. right. That's right. Honeys, bees. Women's footwear. Women's footwear. Uh, I picked Mark up. We drove to the podcast together. I was like, but I told him, if I'm picking you up, you're going to come with me to get my hair cut. That day is when this whole uh, I'm on death door thing started. You think you've incurred some sort of asthma? Some from, sort of allergy-induced asthma uh, from being a part of your Close life quarters day. of my wife's salon. <laughs> just you. That was just me. Too much of me. Too much of my dander. Yep, your dander. In close quarters. That wasn't on the allergy test. Well, yeah, and she was cutting my hair, so dander is just a flutter throughout the room. Yeah, I got a high intake of Tyson dander. Yep, one day people will pay a top dollar for Tyson dander, but... If I pass out in the middle of the show, just uh, tell my kids, my wife, I love them. I'll close out the show. Yep, you will. Maybe I'll call 911 quietly off Mm, mic. Don't bother. No, just let it end. It's meant to be. So you're saying this is how you want to die? It's on the mic. On the mic. <laughs> like a pro. Like a pro. Save the bees? That's You put that on there. I didn't put save the bees, did I? I think it was Nicole's idea. Oh, right. Hold on. Let's pause for a second. What? <sighs> All right. So we got a letter in the mail. From the Natural Resources Defense Council, Rush. Ooh, NRDC. Bee saving message to the EPA. Oh, I'm promised a free bee tote bag. It says save our bees. I need to make a membership gift of $25 or more to get that tote bag. Uh-huh. Gram that if you want. Um, no. So save bees from big ag's chemical attack. Urgent reply form. I am outraged that the EPA is burying its head in the sand while a few corporate giants reap huge profits from their bee-killing pesticides. Time is running out. I want to help NRDC mount an all-out campaign in the media, in Washington, and in court. Who doesn't love in court to protect bees? Enclosed is my tax-deductible membership contribution. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, So the target rate they're looking for is $35. What? I don't know. They put an asterisk here. An asterisk. Asterisk. Are you are, is are you asking me whether or not you should contribute? Are you just sharing this information? The idea was that well, you Nic- got something. Nicole. In the mail. Nicole asked me to look at this. She said, "Look this over and see if you think we should contribute." Oh. And I said, "You know who knows more about bees than even me? The Kingmaker." <laughs> so she's like, "Bake it into your podcast, you silly bastard." I'm like, okay. But listen to this. Out of every dollar you contribute, eighty-two cents goes directly to NRDC's oh. environmental work. Look at these pie charts, Mark. Pie charts don't lie. I believe it. Um, that means 18% goes to overhead. Bees are in crisis and need our help. Yes. So if you, you want to indulge a little more of this. <clears throat> Just a little. Just a little. Bees are dying at an alarming rate. Yes. <clears throat> we knew that. A wash in a deluge of next generation pesticides unleashed by agrochemical giants like. See if you can name the three that are listed here. Uh, Annie's. Wait a minute, let me start over. Okay, start over. Monsanto. Bing. Bear. Bing. Syngenta. Bing again. Kingmaker. 
uh, yeah, the government concedes that these chemicals are highly toxic to bees, but it has done virtually nothing to rein in the pesticide free-for-all. We can't afford to lose bees. All true. Do they talk about the specific pesticides they're worried about? Mm -hmm. 2,4-D, dicamba. Mm -hmm. A little bit of that in there, a little bit. A little bit of Agent Orange. They don't mention them by name. They say acute exposure to neonics. Neonics. Can kill bees directly. In fact, some of the neonics are 5,000 to 10,000 times more toxic to bees than DDT. There's a lot of literature here. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? I th I'm feeling compelled to do this now. Uh, sure. Because you know it's not happening fast enough? <clears throat> no. Nope. Uh, robot bees, the little... It's not happening fast enough. I... The other thing that comes to mind is you could play, you should uh, become a little beekeeper in your backyard. I should get. I think my kids are old enough now to like have bees around and not get, get one little hive stung. out there. Our neighbor had a hive. There were more bees by the dinner table, by the patio dinner, once the hive came into existence. But I don't want to mind. I like bees. Although my kid is allergic to wasps, it's a problem. Our friends Brooke and Dan, who live just down the road, have a what am I a bee colony? To? Am I allergic to just to the air? I think you're allergic to some sort of locked down, repressed memory. Oh, man, I can't get out of it. I've been thinking a lot about it. We've talked in the past about how the placebo effect nope. doesn't work on certain individuals. You're jumping the gun. No, I'm, we're getting right into it for a second. Oh, I, I, think gotta, I got we've, an idea. We've determined that you are highly one of those resistant. people who are highly resistant to placebo. And it's because I'm, re I'm resistant to non-placebo, like actual medicine. I know. That, that ain't going to work either. It's because your brain is so tightly wound that placebo thought can't, or placebo power can't get through the chain mail. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. You're, there's something in there. There's some memory that it's you a, are dying to unpack. And once you start unknotting. <laughs> I know where you're going. That Donald Trump is my oh no. father. <laughs> Come on. That's just cheesy. I'm really trying to help here, Mark. Oh, okay. No, but once you start loosening these knots, <sighs> Maybe it'll send know. ripple effects through your brain. Loosening up other areas. But I mean, seriously. Including your back and your lungs. The back, now the lungs. Like, I, these are daunting problems. Because think about it. When you're in the pool I feel and great. you're swimming in chlorinated water, you're, you're not thinking. Your mind is at rest. You are just swimming, correct? Sometimes I think. But a lot, I, know, I, I know you can't turn off the idea. <laughs> sometimes, I, sometimes I'm just in the zone. A thought leader is always thinking. You sound like my former primary care physician who... <laughs> Didn't we have this uh, discussion on the podcast at some point? You had your doctor, where you said, <laughs> I think yeah, it might be aliens that are giving me tinnitus. That was a mere two or three episodes ago. Yeah. And that gets you a red flag on your file for the next time you come in. Like, oh, yeah, okay. It's one mm -hmm. of these. Well, I have, I think I have become at least just a solid red file. Because this guy, I think he's right. But I'd come in and I'd be like, ah, what's going on? I've got like, I've never had allergies before. I got allergies now. I can't breathe. Like, I think you might just need some uh, Xanax. It's like, tell me about your mother. <laughs> I will not take that. I storm out. Mm. I think you just need to find your perfect strain of THC, Mark. Well, maybe. You're living in Colorado. Can't keep up. Go get yourself some dew drops. So my theory on the placebo effect, mm -hmm. I want to know if doctors respond to placebo at all. Do you think they do? I don't know. I could say some stereotypical things about some doctors that would, I, I think that maybe they don't do. Don't hold back. I think in a sense they do, but for a different reason, because, you know, doctors are so highly valued and in some ways rightly so, that I think that there's a, 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 a subconscious level of, um, what is it? Playing God? Are we getting to an arrogance playing God? Sort of an arrogance that they deserve, that they deserve the good things that come their way. I heard a theory, a friend of mine told me that, that doctors were actually really easy to dupe in like these investment scandals because mm. you come to them with some sort of scheme. It's like, you'll double your return in their minds. They're like, well, of course I will. I'm me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, you know, MD. Right. <laughs> Does that not make okay. sense at all? I'm not saying all doctors are like this, but well, I here's think what this I kind think. of thinking could exist. Yep. In the realm of doctors, doctorship. And Do I think, I think it's dumb. but then I think Dr. it works dumb. the other way. So there's like a placebo coming your way. And you're like, yeah, of course this will work on me. I deserve to be healed magically. <sighs> Just a theory. That, that 
seems like a weak theory. It does seem oh, to well, me. What's your theory? You well, don't even have a theory. That they actually know what like what the evidence suggests and doesn't, what works and doesn't. So placebos don't work as well on them. I mean, may, maybe they're specialized some, somewhat. So, you know, I got a problem with my liver and I don't know anything about livers. <clears throat> I'm, I'm open to placebo. I think deep down they know so the that more they don't you know, know everything. The more you know, the more skeptical you become. I feel like the more you know, the more you should realize the less therapies. you actually do know. I, my theory is that's that the, the nimble mind at work. It's a, it's Blade a, of grass. The smarter approach. Yep. But I remember when I dove in on food, nutrition, and all, you figured like all these connections between it. That that's when I stopped being receptive to placebo. Oh, okay. So, so you I used to be a placebo. Too much or... education. Too much like. So you used in college. You listened to a lot of placebo. And then at some point they stopped doing it for you. I, I think it, it worked. Yeah, I don't remember things not working for me until kids, thirties, forties, mid thirties. No, that's, that's another angle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're stealing your energy. So that's my placebo theory. But you're uh, apparently I can change all that if I just uh, shroom it out in the woods with you one day. I have a theory about that. It's connected to our first news article of the week, Mark. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, we've got living that bulletproof style. Yeah. Ooh. I, I wrote life. <clears throat> why, oh, the why. I think I just saw style. Living that bulletproof life. L Y. You need glasses is what I think. I normally do wear glasses. You haven't worn them in like years. It's been about a year now. I broke them. Remember I, I was mm-hmm. in that darkened coffee shop and I walked into Let's a pause. support beam. Everybody out there, imagine Michael Caine. Take the glasses off Michael Caine's face. Put them on Josh's face. That's what I got to look at. Michael Caine. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. What? And you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. I don't know what you're saying. These are the lines that they say in the movie The Trip. The BBC. Only supposed to blow the bloody doors it's off? It's from the Italian job. He says you, you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors oh, off. Oh, I got it. All I right. I think someone, maybe, I haven't seen that movie. I think someone caused a bigger explosion than Michael Caine's character was expecting. On this podcast, we've also walked through uh, Michael Caine as Jar Jar Binks. Who, sir, or you, sir? Is some people going to die, sir? Me, sir, thanks, sir. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, I can't breathe anymore when you... Oh, oh geez. No, the, um... I can put you in peril with my Jar Jar Binks Michael Caine mashup, huh? Oh, I think about 90% of that comes across on a podcast. Then there's that extra 10% where I can see what your mouth is doing. <laughs> This weird little <laughs> curl. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've saved the bees. You've gotten your hair cut. I inhaled your dander. Couldn't breathe. We've unpacked placebo. We're on to the we're bullet, go, bulletproof We're, we're diving deeper into placebo in a way. Uh, living that bulletproof life. <clears throat> Startup workers say no to free food. Hell yeah to intermittent fasting by Natasha Tiku. Ooh, nice headline. BuzzFeed. Formerly of... Gawker, uh, uh, co-editor with Sam Biddle of Valleywag. Gawker, Gawker. Isn't that the natch of culture? It is. Okay. So WeFast. Tell me about this article because I haven't read it. All right. Let me fill you in, man. WeFast is an online community made up mostly of tech workers, all of whom share a fascination with intermittent fasting. Is it W-E-F-A-Fasting. dot, dot S-T? Do, do, capital W-E, capital F-A dot S-T. Dot S-T, of course. Yeah. Real real pleasure to type. It's cool. Where was I, man? It's called URL hacking. So their fascination, which dictates a strict schedule for fasting and eating in exchange for a host of health benefits. These mostly young, mostly male hype men for biohacking have built hype an- Hype men? Hype men. Okay. For biohacking have built an ethos around the diet. Soylent. Which promises peak productivity and readiness for a future where technology is king and the smartest man wins. <laughs> Whoa, that was a residual uh, Bill Marler scares the shit out of us. We don't have a food Wild safety dog update, hack. but okay. You just look. I forgot to delete that track. I say we leave it in. Good timing. Yeah, it really, I didn't even know it was coming up. So you got all these... Uh, these uh, young... Yeah, they're very precious, these young, white, they male, really are. Silicon Valley-ites. 
Yeah, and so they're they're on this regimented because they're both saving the world and peak performancing all at once. Yeah, they're annoying in two different ways and making well, jobs of money that they don't deserve. Ways. Well, that's what was interesting about this article. As I was reading this article, my first impulse was to hate these guys because they probably all make way too much money and hardly do anything. Oh, they work hard. But then I'm reading more, and a lot of them are sort of in between they play, jobs. They play hard. Their biohacking is their main outlet, and they're that's how they like play. they're driving Ubers, stuff like that. So these biohackers aren't all tech employees. They're just people living in that, in that uh, area, you know, who are trying to cash in on the, on the rising tide of thought leadership and technology. And they see technology moving away from computer software. Screenless fucking future. No, well, oh. sort of into biotechnology, which, yeah. which exists in concert with the screenless future. Because mm. as, as technology becomes embedded into your body, into your own system, you don't need a screen to look something up on okay. Google, you can just ask your okay. chip implant in your head, Mark. Are we in the article anymore or not? Yeah. Because I have a pause. I got to interject. Please do. I wrote the, um, an intro to this trend report for some friends in Sweden. Just some friends, huh? Not Sweden, clients? London. It's called, it's a healthy marketing team. And they, they had some uh, trend spotters at Expo West. Spotted some trends. Who doesn't love Expo West? Who doesn't? Who doesn't love trends? Who doesn't love trends? Who doesn't love spotting? Eh. Like liver spotting? No. Mm. So I wrote the info, and I kind of said, well, here's what you didn't see at Expo. Mainly because I wasn't there. Yeah, I was going to say, that was a dodge, <laughs> if I recall. An artful dodge. <laughs> we came to terms on this. Um, I came up with this idea. The Venn diagram of natural... Then you overlap tech, bi- food tech, bi- you call it biotech, whatever, that little inner, inner, that little overlap, pure gold. Well, guess what? Pure gold. In another 50 years, it's going to be a total eclipse, your fucking Venn diagram. Total eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like that? So the, there's How a- How does that go? The total eclipse yeah, but of the heart. After that. But this is the melody. Once upon a time, I was doing something. Oh, and now I'm only falling apart. And then it's the total eclipse. Da, 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 da. Total eclipse. Remember Rich? He was a he's the one who sent that I Christmas. Feel better. I can breathe better. See, you need to sing Total Eclipse of the Heart. With you. Yep. I was gonna say my boy Rich, who sent us that Christmas card that we read on air with the Richard Brodigan poem. Yeah, I'm going to come back on mic in a second. That is his go-to karaoke jam. He crushes that oh. song. And that's like a six-minute song. Can I tell you something? He owns the stage for six solid minutes. This is episode 59. Tell your friends. Episode 60. Oh. We're doing it. Total Eclipse of the Heart? Karaoke. We haven't done a karaoke one We're in a while. We're doing it. All I right. can't wait. We're going to do it right after. We're, oh. It might, be, it might be the outro on this show. I can't wait. I, I, I can sense your excitement. I was going to play the people the rest of April 18, but... No. You know, they can email. Did you know that? I can't wait for 60. Episode 59, Natchcast. All right. Whisper in your lover's ear that you love us. Tell your houseplants. Tell your pets. Tell your grandmother. Tell me more about this bulletproof life. Well, here. So the, the undercurrent of this article is that um, there's like this thrust and desire to like live forever. <laughs> what did you have to thrust when you said that? Well, especially in, in really Silicon tiny. Valley. Really, you did a little of this. Oh. I thrust when I say the word thrust. It's just like this it just tiny, happens. Oh, thrust, okay. Thrust, thrust. Mm. No, but these these homies in Silicon Valley, like they're so close to all this technology and they're seeing that it's moving towards biotech. They're they're obsessed with the notion that they're going to live forever. So part of it is about optimizing their output in the immediate. Yeah. But I think a bigger part of it is like I want to preserve myself long enough to take uh, take advantage of singularity. So wait a minute. I want to upload my consciousness or I want my body to just like regenerate when Soylent 8.9 so comes out. So what's this article about? It's about these dudes who like to fast. Like all these... So why do they fast? They're biohackers. They fast because there's a host of medical benefits. They think uh, they're optimizing their health and performance by this yeah, fasting it provides regimen. mental clarity. And they get, they get together... It reduces like, your risk of obesity and of developing, you know, like diabetes. But I think a big part of it too... Get little like uh, programmer boobs. <laughs> programmer orangutan titties. My 
one. Okay, I, I well, came up with programmer boobs. It was kind of nice and soft. And then you're like, oh, let me, I gotta go. Uh, titties. <laughs> well, no, I was just what I was seeing in my head all of a sudden as you were like fondling your chest. I was picturing like some right. orangutan breasts. Okay, so they they get together on this website and talk about fasting no, and they, scheduling well, uh, it. Yep. And okay. on this web on this website, you don't want to like talk about how hungry you are. You kind of try and big dick it. But yeah, I'm so clear right now. I'm crispy. I'm crispier. My my synapses are crispier than they were. Oh, I like that. When okay. I ate my last sandwich. I like that. And so then they get together also when they're going to eat. They get together and all eat together. And it's sort of like a... Kind of like, uh, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Anytime the animals... How, the, how they're so well behaved all the time. But anytime they eat food, it's like... That pancakes that day, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> tears them apart. So I think that's what happens at these we fast eat ins. Okay. Uh, and so this author, N- Natasha, it. she takes part a little bit. Oh, she goes and she gets into the bro uh yeah. hacking circle. Yeah, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna so this is where like I'm fine with fasting, as you know I've done the master cleanse before. Mm-hmm. And I will I think I've said on the podcast that after day four, uh supposedly that's when your digestive system kinda goes like Mr. Furley in the fridge. It goes dormant. And so your body can use all the energy that it would use running, like keeping your digestive system going to, right. to cure other ailments. Hmm. So you might, and you, you do sleep a lot. You get Should very restful sleep and you feel light as a feather. Is that going to help my back and my lungs? Could. The, the stored up energy, maybe. I'm already lightheaded though. If you lay in bed and just visualize little worker bees in your back, like little, <laughs> little worker bee cells regenerating and strengthening your back, declogging your lungs, it could happen for you. So I'm fine with fasting. The only, my only regret with the master cleanse is I'm pretty sure I oral enemaed out a whole bunch of probiotics and <sighs> gut flora. But luckily it's been a while, so they're back. So I'm fine with the fasting part of this. Here's my problem. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you another. We're about 10 minutes in on this article. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read you a quote. Uh-huh. One biohacker who identified himself only as Carl told me that he'd, quote, Wait, been... Carl Gottlieb, Neil Gottlieb's brother, one of the twins and three twins? Doesn't say for sure. You tell me if this sounds like uh, Carl Gottlieb. Survivor update. He told me that he'd, quote... Debbie got voted out. ...been reading shitloads of research, end quote, and described a week plowing through 40 research papers on fasting while simultaneously fasting. Carl <laughs> said he got into discussions with academics about cell replication and cancer, quote... I not so gracefully shut them down, he bragged. When I asked whether he was a programmer or a researcher, Carl didn't specify, but he did volunteer that he was probably better, better read on the subject, quote, than most people that are raised in academics. At which point he flapped one of his orangutan titties in her face. Here's my problem. This, this, these are the kind of fucking assholes that want to live forever. Boob. Say programmer boob. Okay. But I mean, this guy like Carl, is this the kind of person you want living forever? I don't like Carl. I do not care for Carl. Um, and, and I think Carl was the Uber driver, which is fine. So that's the gist of this article, is there's this little annoying circle of, they're not all, I'm, I'm generalizing, I'm generalizing. I'm not saying they're all annoying, I'm saying some of them are annoying, and when I read about Carl, I'm like, can this asshole please not upload his consciousness? Yeah, all right. Guess what? I'm going to say something that's going to sound really cruel, but I promise you it's not. He deserves to die. But we all deserve to die. Oh, look at you. So few of us deserve to live forever. The death is a gift. Did I? Did I tell ARC? I don't think I did that we would. Need to pause? Nope. <laughs> I, I, you know, we often, when we get phone calls, ARCs in the neighborhood, they're picking up donations. We say yeah. I think you can say ARC. ARC. I don't remember saying that I'd have okay. anything and I don't have a bag ready. So Good article. There's I'm these... not done. <laughs> Come on. Well, we need to ring it back to placebo and then we're done. Okay. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna She's talking to this other I'm gonna guy. I'm gonna break the third wall here and tell people that we have a new approach to the stories. <laughs> <laughs> where, where to better empathize with a listener, one of us, in this case me, doesn't read the story, so that the other one actually really has to set it up. And this is Josh's first go at it. No, it's not. We did it last week. I did a good job just you, now. You you got on a lot. Of, there was a lot of good stuff. I still have no real concept of what the article was. I've told you it's about these startup workers simple. who are into fasting. They fast, they get on a website and do it. And, and I'm they, telling you about the two reasons that they're they, fasting. They, they bro down till they get annoying. It's Got for, it. Yeah, but it's for two reasons. It's to increase the potency of their productivity in the now, but it's also, I think, 
to preserve themselves longer term mm. so they can upload okay. their consciousnesses and or live forever. Last it. point. This fella, George Burke. I think he was one of the founders of Bitcoin or he worked for Bitcoin. Burke's approach to productivity makes him an ideal hype beast for biohacking. <laughs> so, yeah, this article is more about biohacking <laughs> than just Wait fasting. I'm going to name this episode Hype Beast. <laughs> okay, go ahead. You call it Hype Beast for biohacking. I'm just going to call it Hype Beasts. Beasts? Yeah, hype hype Beasts. Oh, we're, we're both beasts. Hype Beasts. Yep. His daily routine sounds like a word cloud for the quantified self. And oh my Natasha God. is going off, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm almost about to tell her to kill a darling, but so far I'm hooked. All right. All right. That's my subhead. A word cloud for the what? Quantified self. Do you know about the quantified self? Are you kidding? I'm one of of the leading minds about the quantified self. For example, Burke has also dabbled in microdosing LSD, another trendy productivity hack that posits that micrograms of hallucinogens can be office appropriate. There we go. During his Bitcoin days, he said he wasn't scared to lead a meeting while microdosing because, quote, they are mostly libertarians and many of them enjoy their vices. I've never been to wilder parties outside of the Bitcoin space. Best parties in town, Bitcoin parties. Well, no, libertarians. Second, second best, libertarians. Yeah. Libertarian party. Oh, I guess Wait, Bitcoins li- are libertarians is what he's saying, right? I don't Which know. Which makes total sense. It's but like he means like free reign currency. But he doesn't mean libertarian like hold up at the Oregon Wildlife Refuge. He means libertarian like I'm a buttload wealthy tech programmer, billionaire. tech mind, and I'm just too smart to think the government works. I would guess Both the of those parties suck ass, is what I'm saying. Ooh, buddy. I don't know why I'm so mad. So for I the placebo am. effect, though, I think we had been mentioning that uh, when we were talking off mic, that what maybe what you need is a guided <laughs> mushroom and or LSD trip. Why don't we microdose it? Maybe episode 100, we both microdose. Let's start microdosing every show. You'll never know. Here's the thing, though. I don't, I don't know about microdosing, but I do know that if you take a regular dosey, style mm. uh, trip, hallucinogenic trip. You ha- but you haven't done LSD. Here's what happens. <laughs> you, uh, when you come back to whatever we call reality, you leave part of you behind and you bring a new prismic piece of yourself prismic. into Pr- the present. Prismatic? Prismatic. It's like a refracted knot. <clears throat> so that's what I'm talking about. These knots in your head. You refract them like a prism refracts light. Dude, I'm in. You expose them for what they are. You understand them. You no longer fear them. You make peace with them. You come back. A big, uh, a big goal in shamanistic my... tribes, especially of like hallucinogenic mushroom trips, was to have the uh, death rebirth experience. Yes. Where you literally, you literally uh, in your mind or wherever you are, experience your own death. Where else are you going to experience it? And then... There are different pains of in existence, different dimensions. Then when you come back, you no longer fear death or you have a different understanding of yeah, death. You don't then, see death as the end. You see you death as just up a again portal. And, and then you get wound up again and a couple of years later, you got to do it. And then you get wound up faster. And before you know no. it, you're, you're, no, no, you're no, no, micro no, no, no. dosing every day. That's not really how those drugs work. They're, they don't work the way like cocaine and stuff works where it's like, I need more, more, more. I mean, for some people, maybe they do, but I think they're also kind of like, I had that experience. I'm never going to forget that experience because it was so fucking weird and deep. And, and now I'm ready to move on as this new version of myself. So you're saying it could who open is no, doors. Who is, who is open to possibility? Who, who lets placebos in? Who doesn't love the placebo effect? Who doesn't love stripping naked in the woods and Ooh. pissing on a campfire, Ooh. crawling into your tent and dying only to be reborn? minutes later who doesn't love that mark tell us at real natch can't wait for sin 4.0 is my story yep. what's what's the point of stream did you read it i'm not allowed to read your articles right. new world order here what's the point of streamlining nature i will tell you what i also like about this new format nicola is while you set up the story i'm gonna lean back and eat some of these uh dark chocolate covered almonds new yorker so here's a few uh, little um, nuggets for you. Humans, how many genes? Not pairs of genes, how many genes? Hmm. I didn't think I was going to have to talk. Yep, lean back up. Humans, how many pairs yeah. of genes do we have? <laughs> I've got about four or five. 22,000 genes. Chicken, mm. how many chicken? 
Roughly, you know, roughly. 80,000. 17,000. Not as sophisticated as us. Grape. A million. Oh, good. 30,000. More than us. Sin 3.0 unveiled last week. How many genes? Is Sin 473. Sin 3.0 sounds like some sort of a virtual reality masturbation thing. Researchers at the J. Craig Venter Institute, Rockville, Maryland, call it the world's first minimal synthetic bacterial cell. Mm. It has the smallest genome of any organism on Earth that can self-replicate. What, uh, what's its number again? How many genes? 473. 4.73, interesting. So Venter, the guy who decoded us, yeah. we seem to be kind of paying attention to DNA. He's got this, it seems kind of like a vanity project, but... We got to make the smallest number of genes. Find the put together the smallest number of genes we can to have something that still lives and can replicate. Is it they useful? Got it down to four seven three. Is it useful? It's unclear to me how useful it is. Can it cure back pain or asthma? <laughs> can it open the portals of my mind? Quote: The American painter Ad Reinhardt, whose work had a major influence on the minimalist movement. You're listening now. Once wrote that. Art begins with the getting rid of nature. Ooh, Ooh, I'm prickly now. Trying to engineer a minimal cell cannot help but run up against this dichotomy, which Agapakis, don't know, summed up as the conflict between the emergence of evolutionary novelty and the construction of designed novelty. In other words. Please. Between the logic by which we seek to alter biology and the logic by which it alters itself. From this perspective, Sin 3.0's relationship to life begins to resemble the relationship of soylent to food. Both are facsimiles that serve mainly to show us the richness of the original. Impressive. Is this too deep for you? No. You got you figured... This, did is, I, this is me 3.0 you're talking to, so... I'm, oh, well, I can't wait for 4.0. So there's a, there's, a, there's a genome project to figure out the... You know, I guess there's some value in that. If you figure like, well, this is what you really need, these 473, so we know now it's like dark matter in space. What the hell is it? Mm. Why is it there? It's you. What are all these dark genes floating around in my body? They're raw denim. Cells. (laughs) 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 Nice cold water bath soak to get them fitted. (laughs) Selvage style. That's an analogy. (laughs) So they did it. They've... I don't think this thing can survive very long, but they figured out, like, these are the essential bits you need. Maybe that makes us smarter about all the other stuff. Maybe. But then the question is, what, you know, which way do you go at this? Minimalist, reduce it, and try to control it, maximize it. That's a new word. Sounds like you go full spectrum to me, Mark. Well, I don't know which way you're going to, I think you're going to go toward the, uh, uh, the richness of the original. I like the original. Yeah. And the but as you know from last episode, logic by which nature alters itself. I suggest a relationship with nature with nature that involves tangoing, not trying to conquer, not running in fear from. Total engagement, Mark. The tango. The tango. Now who's in my yard? Is it, oh, is someone spraying? That could be a quick one. Keep going. A quick one, what? Story. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Oh, look, there's some... Hold on. Look! And we're back. Uh, Land Services, Inc. of uh, Denver, Colorado. Applying organic uh, fertilizer to my lawn. Because I saved the world. You don't know what they got in that vat. I've read the the flyer. It's non-toxic, organic-ish. I don't know. Maybe they made a good flyer, then they went back and said, go grab every bottle of round off you can off the Home Depot shelf. It's possible. All right, Sin 3.0. Now you know what it is. Who gives a shit? It might be important. $11,000 per recipe? What? What? America's Test Kitchen is about to take its rigorous recipe system to the next level by Julia Baluz. I, I still love watching old Test Kitchen episodes on PBS late at night. 
I do too. I lay in, I watch them probably once a week at least. I watch, and I have um, there's something very prissy and yeah, a feat about Chris Kimball, but I but I'm I, I warm to him over time. I know what you mean. I love and hate that show. Yeah, and I love and hate what I, what I'm about to tell you. Mm. Quote. America's Test Kitchen has long taken a highly scientific approach to developing recipes for home cooks. What? Every dish outlined in the brand's magazines, books, and TV show has been methodically and obsessively tested by a staff of cooks and tasters who sometimes try it up to a hundred iterations. This method isn't cheap. Each recipe costs about $11,000 to produce, explained Dan Souza, a food science expert with ATK. So now, ATK is leaving the kitchen for a new venture. This July, it will launch a website, Cook Science. Mm. I assume that's going to be cookscience.com. I don't know. Uh, Unlike the company's recipe-centric legacy brands, Cooks Illustrated and Cooks Country, which were started under ATK's recently departed and controversial founder, Christopher Kimball. Who doesn't love Christopher Kimball? Cookscience.com. The host monster's got a placeholder there. Mm, Something's coming. The new venture will focus on telling stories about food science. Quote, Hmm. we will report in the field, said Sousa, talking to scientists, chefs, farmers, and professors at universities about what they're doing, then coming back to the task kitchen. So that's kind of cool. Wait a minute, I tuned out. Shit. (laughs) You're looking at some... Sorry. What fucking website? Well, I remembered that Chris Kimball left that show, right? He did. Or did he get pushed out or something? He's leaving the test kitchen. The company he co-founded comes right on the heels of them getting their first ever CEO. Huh. His departure is immediate. <laughs> Two sides weren't able to agree over his contract. Oh, man. He's 64. Leaving his spot as editor-in-chief of the magazine. So he's out. Interesting. Okay, so you said something about $11,000 per recipe. Yeah, well, so I've got a new thing called Cook Science. You didn't hear any of the Cook Science thing? You... It's going to be a new site and show. What are they doing? No, it's not a show. Just is a, it? Is yeah, it a podcast? A podcast. No, uh, it's a website. I'm sure it'll have all sorts of content. Well, it makes me think of Nathan Mirvold. They're focusing on telling stories about food science. Nathan Mirvold. Tell me about Nathan Mirvold. One of the hot dogs at Microsoft with Bill Gates. Mick Microsoft? Is that a new conglomerate? <laughs> Look die at any moment, all right? <laughs> what if your last words on this planet were Mick Microsoft? Mick Mi- it's like, oh, you just named a new galaxy. With his dying words, he said, Mick Microsoft. What a shame that would be. They are blowing some <laughs> hardcore fertilizer. Prophetic. No, I think they're just doing a little yard cleaning or something. That reminds me of uh, Mark Maron's podcast, when the leaf blowers get going and he has to like stand up and go, can you do that later? I'm recording an interview right now. <laughs> Yeah, I've got the president in here. Yeah. We're not quite as precious about it, I get. So that so, seems straightforward. I think that's not, that's not a bad idea as a business strategy. Oh, Cook's Science. Cook's. Yeah. Oh. Like Cook's Illustrated? Yeah. So Possessive? Keep, it's a brand extension. Okay. Not go. Cook's Science. So Nathan Mirvold. on the uptake. That's Nathan fine. Mirvold, is, uh, after Microsoft, he, you know, he's got a lot of money. Oh, I know about this. Isn't he like a food gastronomy freak? Deep in on the on the science and lab of making food, cooking food. And, and in a very oh, sort yeah, and of he wrote a, like a gigantic cookbook. Yes, yes. I know this guy. That many people use as a resource. And that many people threw away. Just kidding. Didn't buy because it's like a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> um, here's my, speaking of a couple thousand dollars. So what do you want me to do with this? I want you to react to my problem with America's Test Kitchen. Okay. Less the problem is not probably going to be as prevalent with this new venture, but they kind of take the soul out of cooking a little bit. They're Do re- they? Yeah, their recipes are so precise. Yeah, they're very precise. Especially if you're baking something, which it makes more sense if you're baking something. You need utmost precision there, but like you're doing short ribs. Uh, you tell me if I use a splash more of apple cider vinegar, it's going to wreck the whole thing? Come on. Yeah, that's dumb. But spending this much money implies so much food waste. What, what are they doing? Are they, are they at least <sighs> donating all this imperfect food? Maybe they, maybe, yeah. To I don't, homeless shelters? I don't know. If they're throwing it away, that is super fucked up. That is a good question. That's what comes okay, to mind cooks. when I read something like this. This is I'd a lot of okay, waste. I'd say okay, Chris, but Chris doesn't care anymore. Okay, cooks. Let us know. You ought to, well, 
Yeah, let us know or tell the world. If you're just going to waste time, that's fine. But if you're wasting food too, I ain't down with that. Look at you. But maybe maybe they're doing the right thing. Maybe they're giving it away to homeless shelters, things like that. So as I begin my journey as a baker. With Mr. Furley. With Mr. Furley. Holding his delicate hand. Who came over today because old hot pants Josh Tyson tried to make his own Mr. Furley, failed miserably. Well, I started failing once you were giving me instructions on well, how to do it. It hey seemed man. to be working up until hey you man. stepped in. Proof's in the pudding. Mm-hmm. Mr. Furley came back to life. I resuscitated him. He got Randy again. I brought him over. I said, "Here's my finally, here's my gift. And appreciated that gift was. Mr. Furley gave birth to Mr. Roper, who's now uh, bubbling on my counter. And so my All point is, even, well, I guess there's a little bit more precision with the... Uh, I'm about to do my first sourdough loaf. Yep. You're gonna but as far it. as Mr. Furley goes, I just don't even eyeball it. I mean, I don't measure anything anymore. All eyeball. Well, that's what I like about cooking in Flour, general. Flour, water. Like, yeah, I want it to be about this consistency. Uh, it needs to be a little hotter, a little colder. Come on, man. Yeah, I just like to make dishes based on what I find in the kitchen and just improvise. Roll with it. Sometimes it works. More often than not, it works. And sometimes it's iffy. Don't get so precious. Get your brain all knotted up so the placebo can't get in. You know what? I do have a good friend who's a, he builds satellites for a living. He's got a very scientific mind. He loves Test Kitchen and he's, Mm. I've had dinner at their house when they're making Test Kitchen stuff and he does it absolutely right. Hmm. And it's always amazing. Uh. So I'm not saying boo. You hate him. Test Kitchen, 100%. I'm saying (laughs) not for (laughs) me. Busy day here at uh, Natchcast Studios. So much nut butter. <laughs> hey, Bowie, it's all right, man. Respect the microphones. How the U.S.'s peanut glut could undermine the work of the Clintons. Philip Bump reporting Bump. for Washington Post. Philip Bump? Philip Bump. Does Philip Bump, if Philip Bump ever asks you to join him in the bathroom? <laughs> come out with that jaw. Yep. Want to go do a Philip bump with me? I'm doing a Coke jaw. Mm, 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 mm. 2014 Farm Bill, what it incentivized U.S. farmers to grow more peanuts. Mm. One of the ways it did that, well, I think this maybe is before that, but they could get loans, cheap loans, and they didn't have to repay them until after the harvest came in. If the price of the nuts was too low, they didn't even have to repay them. They, just, they could repay them in peanuts. They give the government the peanuts instead of the money. Well, quote, a glut of peanuts has pushed prices lower, meaning that more farmers are handing, handling, handing their peanuts over to the Department of Agriculture instead of paying off their loans. <sighs> Reuters estimates that about 145,000 tons of peanuts were forfeited to government last year. That stockpile is enough to satisfy the average annual consumption of over 20 million Americans. More than the population of Florida. A lot of nut butter. Sitting there with the government. That was said by Chris Prentice of Reuters, uh, written. It puts the administration in a bind. After all, storing those peanuts is expensive, and selling all of them could just push prices lower. The solution? Give them away. That's what I was going to say. The Department of Agriculture just announced a program to send nutritious U.S. peanuts as part of a humanitarian effort to Haiti. Sounds good, right? I'm sure there's something bad coming. <laughs> Haitians grow their own fucking peanuts. Why does it have to be Haiti? They love growing their own peanuts. How about Syria? It's something they can do. Gives a little boost to the economy. Well, then send them to Syria. And you know what else? The Clintons through their philanthropic efforts, have gone all in on building up local peanut farming in Haiti. So is it just impossible to shift away from oh, Haiti here? Fuck. Can't we send it? There's millions of other starving populations. Well, I didn't think about that. You've sidestepped all the arguments. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we just send it to Syria instead? I don't know. Uh, maybe we don't have good enough relations. Fuck relations. Those people need fucking food. And we've got too much of it. How are you going to get it to them? And for once, Uncle Sam ain't hoarding that nut. Here's another question, if you're in the mood. Well, you just cut right through the chase of that one. Well, why, why, um, why did the Farm Bill incentivize peanut farming oh, to God. begin with? Good question, right? Yep. Somebody got in somebody's pocket. 
put a peanut in there. That's it. <laughs> yep. Well, I know, like for for a lot, the reason corn and soy are How so heavily any... subsidized is, is because they're an, primarily for animal feed. Is that the origin of that subsidi- subsidization? Why? What? And what? Corn and soy, because they're used to feed cattle. I mean, the first thing that we comes subsidized to mind for the me... shit out of them, right? So that we could feed all these cows. Like, I'm I'm talking like four or five decades back. Hmm. Am I wrong? I don't know. You're swimming without a paddle right now. That's for sure. No, I think I'm right. Where do you where did you learn that? A TED Talk. Nope. Mark Bittman. A book. Oh, Fast Food Nation. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for it, setting you up. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good. I, I didn't think about that. Send him somewhere else. <laughs> Apparently, good. no one's thinking of good, that. Good Everyone's idea. Just like Haiti blind here. Um, well, there'd been some crises, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think the common one common uh, reason for corn and soy now is that you've got big vested interests when you bring in that biotech angle that's working mm-hmm. with corn and soy forget the animal feed i'm saying they want to sell more of it i'm saying it originated with animal feed yeah maybe first subsidization first blood animal feed look it up no we'll wait i'm gonna move on Jeez, you got another story? Raisin Bran Cherry Juice English Love Muffin. the sound of your own voice. Breakfast of Champions for who? Don't look at the duck. Who's going to eat that? Raisin Bran Cherry Juice English? You know this. Come on, just say it. B-Sands? <laughs> yep. Feel the burn. Barry Sanders tries to eat healthy on campaign trail by Tom Sietzima. Hmm. Seattle Times. You know who else likes an English, English muffin, <clears throat> tea, and egg? Blake Edwards. That was his breakfast. Some digging into Bernie Sanders' diet reveals a dedicated... Cr- so what you need to do is respond to these and tell me if anything feels off-brand for Bernie. Then the answer is going to be no. <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, his diet reveals a dedicated carnivore who likes to grill when he can. What? Keeps locally raised meat in the house. Okay. Craves tomatoes in season. Uh, Tom Brady would have words with him on that. And fruit preserves anytime. Hell yeah. What about this? And orders tandoori pork at an Indian standby when in Burlington, Vermont. Interesting. Pork. Interesting. So when there's a lot more here. The, I wouldn't the, have pegged him as a big meat guy. The link is in the dock. Because, I mean, that, that runs counter to the Larry David streak in him. Because Larry David, I think, is like, ugh, red meat, no thanks. That's well, not a good Larry He's an David. old guy, though. They're both old guys. Larry David, he's not that kind of Larry David. Okay. I'm just saying it's it's pulling those two apart in my mind now. Oh, that's okay. Noah moves bushes. The closer Bernie Sanders is to Larry David, the more I'm going to like him. No, so nothing fancy, right? You don't need a moose bush when you go to a restaurant. He's actually not very fond of sugar. Okay, except fruit preserves, buddy. Well, right. A lot of sugar and fruit preserves. We're talking about preserves. desserts, except for, we got this breakfast. I mean, that raisin bran... Cherry juice, English muffin. Cherry juice is probably good for your bladder. Look at that. No. He's, he's looking out for his prostate. Old bladder, yeah. Uh, ben and Jerry's prototyped uh, a new flavor called Bernie's Yearning. That sounds almost like Bernie's urine. Well, he just made 30 of them in his, uh, I think Ben or Jerry, one of the two. Just <laughs> it's uh, it's reused cherry juice. He, he uh, oh. passes it through himself no. and then they put it into the ice cream. It's a thin disc of chocolate representing America's wealthy 1%. On top of a pint of mint ice cream, illustrating the rest of us. And when you eat it, you're supposed to break up the disc and mix it all together. I like that. I'm not sure I understand why we're mint. Because we're cool. (laughs) Speaking of mint, I I wish everyone could see Mark Brush's Deep V t-shirt right Uh, now. It's it's a nice mint. final, Final little note of color. Bernie proposed to his wife in a friendly's parking lot after some hot fudge Sundays. Gosh. Golly. It's very Mayberry of him. Some Mayberry in him. This guy's a mystery. That's the meat angle, too. There's meat in Mayberry. It's all about a steak on I the grill. I guess I know. I, he seems so kind of East Coast. Not East Coast. I don't know. He just seems so, like, Cosmo in many ways to me. I, I think if I interpreted this article correctly, he really didn't care much about food. Until recently, and then his family's like, you're going on this campaign. You better start drinking cherry juice. That's, what, all, they, that's all, what the kids are Snapchatting so about, cherry he, juice. He's, all, he's always got 
nuts nearby, almonds, healthy snacks nearby. Probably not ones that are dipped lavishly in dark chocolate. And when he was, uh, he's been he's been photographed repeatedly sitting in coach on airplanes, right? And sometimes he'll even have like a blueberry smoothie or something with him. Sign of the times. I guess so. I like I like a politician who drinks scotch on an airplane, though. Who demands scotch? Only the best. Where's my scotch? Guess what? What kind of scotch is this? We tried, and oh, they my won't. Brand scotch. We tried. I don't know. Ice, one ice cube. I'm working oh, on my impression. Wait, of who? Of Bernie? No, that was Trump. Oh, it sounded like Bernie. Going no. Home. We need one scotch with blueberry smoothies in it. So that could be either one of them. Oh, yeah, that was. That's what I'm saying. Yours was neutral. I want a scotch. You're fired. That's oh, the only thing. That's I bad. That's you, the only thing not, I can say. I don't do a Trump. I know you don't. Fuck Trump. He's not even worthy. All right, of I'm going to own Trump. I'm going to work on Trump. You do a Trump. I'll work on a Sanders. What kind of scotch Clinton. is this? Ooh, okay. You're getting close. I want Trump brand scotch. <laughs> One ice cube. It's actually whiskey, but we call it scotch because you can charge right, gotta, more for it. We're gonna, we'll work on that off air. We tried and they won't let us. Ooh. Did you come up with that? Oh, yeah, that's my headline, I baby. I like that. Chick-fil-A has banned <sighs> one ingredient from its restaurants by Haley Peterson, Business Insider, B-I. I'm just happy already. We got Chick-fil-A in the episode. Yep. We have a mandate. This is uh, from David Farmer, Chick-fil-A Vice President of Menu Strategy and Development. We have a <laughs> mandate. How hard is that job? Never use iceberg lettuce. Oh, he said this in an interview from Chick-fil-A's Test Kitchen. Farmer has banned iceberg lettuce, which he calls tasteless and nutritionless. That's confusing. Farmer the person. David Farmer. Yeah, got it. Not farmer. like A farmer. <laughs> farmer has, uh, yeah. The Chick-fil-A farmer. Yep. Uh, it's, at the bottom of the, it's at the bottom of the salad food chain, he says. There is no nutritional value in iceberg lettuce. Ooh. So that's where they're going to plant their uh, flag, huh? One... I think I would like to be the vice president of menu strategy and development. Sure. What What do they got, like two or three new things every year? I don't know. I don't go into Chick-fil-A's. Oh. Then let's say they do. I'm sure you would know. They do have that nice kale salad. I bet if we now. went and popped your glove, you've got a, a menu, a Chick-fil-A menu in the glove box <laughs> yeah, for when you have to hit the drive-thru. I get the same thing every time. What's your? What do you get there? You get the number one, or is it the number two? Whatever it is. Just a sandwich, waffle fries, chicken sandwich, sweet tea. <laughs> Let me tell you this, Mr. Farmer, so concerned about the nutritional nutritional value of iceberg lettuce. Meanwhile, Chick Fil A chicken sandwich, one thousand three hundred ninety milligrams of sodium. Sounds like a lot to me. Yeah, we. What's the daily? We didn't we talk about that last week? I don't know. I'm guessing the daily sodium dose is maybe like half that. Daily, daily uh, limit. I want the RDI. Come on. Oh, yeah. 3,400. Oh, so that gets you... Half. Not bad. Almost halfway there. But that's for one sandwich. <clears throat> that If you get the yeah. waffle fries, you're adding... I think I looked at the... Uh, how much was the waffle fries? They have a calculator on their site. Mm. Why don't you put your meal in and see how much sodium you're eating? Oh, boy. Do I want to know? Yes. Is it going to stop me? Doubtful. Never. Yep, if uh, equal rights for... Uh, Where do I go? What? You Just why don't you Google Chick-fil-A nutri- or nutrition... You said there was a thing on the site. Well, I was on the site. I didn't go to their homepage. I actually think I, I, think I Googled how much sodium in Chick-fil-A sandwich, and it took me to their little nutrition calculator. There it is. Meal calculator. Here Ooh, we go. Choose any product from the list on the left. And as the list populates, it'll just keep adding the... Values, so you'll have like a running total. It's not showing you each individual thing as you add more. Chicken sandwich, boom! Oh, only four hundred four. Oh, there we go, thirteen ninety. Yay, 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 yay! So what are you saying? Keep it there. Well, yeah, and then add your other. Th- you get the waffle fries. Yeah, classic items here. Nuggets, 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 nuggets. Oh, oh man, where's the front? Oh, this must be a side. Hmm. Ooh, look at that. Fruit cup. Waffle fries. 
not bad. I bet each restaurant has only like six fruit cups at any given time. No one ever orders a fruit cup there. You kidding me? I'm up to 1630. Oh, then I need a beverage. I don't think there's sodium in your your sweet tea, but who knows? No. What is it? Not bad. It'd be amazing if the sodium went out when you click sweet tea. Sodium went down. No. Oh, wait. Size is probably not a small. They probably give me a large, don't they? Oh, total is 1650. So well over half your daily allotment. That's for yeah. one that's for one meal. Yeah, but I don't get any when I'm cooking my sourdough bread at home. Oh, okay. it's got a little bread and a little salt. All right. Well, if you're including Chick-fil-A as a bal- part of a balanced, sane, sensible diet, how, maybe you're okay. How long have we been going? 56 minutes. Dude, we got to get to Bonnie Tyler. What? Bonnie Tyler, we're at the Oh, right. You really want to do that, huh? All right. Let me see if I can put that together. Thanks for listening. Come back for 60. Tell a friend. Nope. Whisper Whisper in your your lover's lover's ear ear. that you love us. Or just whisper Natchcast. Natch.is. Tell your pets. Tell your houseplants. Tell your neighbor. Tell your grandmother. That was a little kiss. Tell tell a baby. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming round. Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears. Every now and then I get a little bit nervous that the best of all the years have gone by. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified And then I see the look in your eyes Every now and then I fall apart Every now and then I fall apart Every now and then I get a little bit restless And I dream of something wild I'm lying like a child in your arms Every now and then I get a little bit angry And I know I've got to get out and cry Every now and then I get a little bit terrified But then I see the look in your eyes Every now and then I fall apart Every now and then I fall apart and I need you now tonight And I need you more than ever If you only hold me tight We'll be holding on forever And we'll only be making it right Cause we'll never be wrong Together we can take it to the end of the line And I'm like a shadow There's nothing I can do, a total eclipse of love.